Man, it is uh, so good to see most of you. I'm kidding. It is good to see each and every one of you. So, so, so good to be together um, this morning. As uh, many of you know, we've been in a conversation working our way through the New Testament book of James. And um, man, James is one of, if not the most practical books of the New Testament. And so this conversation is going to continue to be incredibly um, practical. And um, man, the bottom line of the book of James is this, wherever you happen to be, whatever happens to be happening in your life, you must continue to prove your faith is genuine by the way that you live. And you are going to constantly have tests that prove your faith to be genuine so that there is always the opportunity to know along the way if the faith you claim to have is the real deal. And this week, James is just going to get right to the heart of that very point. If you have a copy of the Bible, we're in James chapter Two, James chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse number 14. James 2, verse number 14. Uh, I'm going to start reading. Here's what it says. What good is it, Christians, church, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds. Can such a faith save them? By the way, it's so interesting to get to know James. Uh, James, um, he's, uh, he's the king of getting to the point. He, he's kind of terrible um, at small talk. He's really awful at pleasantries. I don't know if you have friends like this. Um, just straight to the point, and the point usually is some kind of a sharp sword. And uh, this is kind of what James does in this passage. You know, Paul, if you read Paul's writing, Paul would at least, like, give you an update. Hey, I just want to let you all know what's happening in my life. Just curious to know how you all doing. Uh, let me, I'm going to pray for you. Let me speak a blessing over your lives. Not James. James just comes out and says, um, uh, um, your faith might be fake. I'm sorry, I don't know how else to get to it. Let's just get right there. And that's what he does. Your faith in Jesus might be fake. Wow. James opens this section of scripture with a pointed question. Do you think the faith you have now is going to save you then? Do you think the faith you say you have now is going to be recognized by heaven on that day? Whoa! That escalated quickly. I was having breakfast one minute. Next thing, eternal questions with James. How do I know my faith will be accepted by heaven. Hmm. 
But since James asked the question, let's, let's ask it with him. Do you think the faith you say you have now will be recognized by heaven on that day? Because there are different kinds of faith. There are different versions of faith. But there is only one kind that is going to gain you access into eternity on that day. And James is asking, do you think the version of faith you claim to have is that version? Kind of an important question to ask. If you ask me. And here's the striking thing about this question. James is asking it to the church. James is not preaching at some revival service. He is talking to the church and feels the need to ask the church this question. Do you think the faith you claim to have right now is going to be accepted by heaven on that day? Every single person he is speaking to would say, Jesus is my savior, and yet he's asking the question still. In case you're tempted to think, oh, no, I've got this one. I'll come back next week for a message that applies to me. Do you think the faith you hold in your heart is a saving kind? James apparently asks this question because there are imposter versions of faith that sound right. They sound good, but they hold no life. And the version of faith he goes after, one that's been going around for a while, is a version that I call Fakes. <laughs> I'm so creative, but it's faux faith. It's fake faith. Hence, fakes. Thank you. The couple of people appreciated how hard I work for all of you. Oh, it's a tricky virus. It enters the bloodstream of the body of Christ. And then it masquerades as real faith. But it's a silent imposter. Slowly deceiving. Finally destroying. And it's really hard to detect in the church because you feel fine. You sound great. But if you take the time to actually think about the question James is asking and you examine your own life, you might start to recognize it because it's the version of faith that says a lot but doesn't do anything to help the people who are hurting in your world. Faith without deeds, he says. Claims with no action. As much as it talks to people about Jesus, it doesn't do for people what Jesus did. Faith without deeds. If that's the version you have, heaven will not accept it 
on that day. Then James gives an emotional illustration to help us understand his point. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Wow. Okay, now it's getting real with this really passionate, practical illustration designed to make sure none of us can say faith without deeds. James, whatever do you mean? Or talk without action. I don't think I understand. James gives this illustration to make sure we all understand what he means. Let's say you run into somebody who is in a situation of life that's not just uncomfortable, it is unsustainable. Let's say you run into somebody who's in a situation in which their safety or their survival is in jeopardy if their circumstances do not change. What do you do? Oh, James, what does that mean? I love that he's very, very practical. Let's say you run into somebody without sufficient clothing. Um, by the way, this isn't a conversation about modesty. James isn't saying you run into like a nudist colony. No, um, no, by the way, is he talking about like, oh man, we're struggling. We used to shop at Von Maur. But no, it's nothing but the discount rack at Walmart, right? Like, this is not what he means at all. Jeff, why does this never happen to you? What? Do I just speak louder? Is that what it is? Oh, man. All right. I'm going to keep going. Somebody from Walmart apparently did not like my comments. <laughs> James is not talking here about like, oh man, we're going through a rough patch. My kids are being made fun of at school because they're not wearing brand shoes. That's not what he means. When he talks about clothing, he's saying, no, let's say you run into someone. It's 40 degrees in the house and they only have t-shirts. No one has to tell you that is not sustainable. No one has to tell you their safety is in jeopardy. You run into that person, so now you know their situation firsthand. The test has begun. What do you do? 
Or maybe it's not insufficient clothing. He says somebody is struggling in the food department. They have insufficient food. And once again, this is not talking about like, oh, man. Like she just can't get her daily pumpkin spice latte anymore. The struggle is real. This is not like, man, it's been a minute since we got to go out to Chick-fil-A. This is not that kind of thing. No, James is talking about you running into a person who doesn't know if their kids get to eat every day this week. There's no food in the pantry, there's no food in the refrigerator, and they're not quite sure how they're going to remedy that situation. Now you've encountered this and you have firsthand information and no one has to tell you this situation is not sustainable. Their safety and eventually their survival is in jeopardy if nothing changes. What do you do? Isn't that the simplest test ever? What do you do? Because the way you answer that question will determine whether or not the faith you claim to have is the genuine kind or if it's that fake stuff that's been going around for a while. What do you do? Every time you have a first-hand awareness of a situation that threatens someone. Like my sanity right now, for instance. I'm gonna push through, I'm gonna push. Thanks for your patience, by the way. This is a test of your spiritual maturity um, in and of itself. But this is what James is asking. What, what do you do if you have first-hand information about somebody in an unsustainable situation, what comes next will reveal something about how genuine your faith is. You run into somebody who's in a physically abusive situation. Whether it's in their marriage, whether it's in a dating relationship, whether it's a family home situation, whether it's somebody being bullied at school. No one has to tell you that is not a sustainable situation. What do you do? Because that is a test of your faith. You run into somebody who is drinking themselves into a blackout. Now you have this first-hand information. You know this is not sustainable. The question is, what do you do? Isn't it amazing how practical James's test is? You run into somebody and the heat has been turned off. You run into somebody who is telling you, I don't know that I want to live. No one has to tell you that is not a sustainable situation. James says, the results are really simple. If you don't do something to help change that unsustainable situation, 
your faith is the dead kind. Ooh. If you don't do something to practically help them, yours is that faith, that faux faith that has made its way into the bloodstream of the body of Christ. You have firsthand information. You have the ability to do something about it, and you choose not to. That is not a small deal, according to James. That has eternal significance. What you do in that moment with that situation. And on that day, Jesus will tell you, I don't know what you think you had, but it was not that saving kind of faith. By the way, for those of you who are familiar with the teachings of Jesus, you will realize James is just borrowing from Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 25. And on that day, I will separate the sheep and the goats based on what? I was in prison. I was naked. I was homeless. I was lonely. I was abused. And you knew it and you did nothing away from me. Whoa. Because whatever you thought you had was not the genuine saving kind of faith. So let me re-ask the question. Do you have the kind of faith that acts to help people in unsafe and unsurvivable situations? If not, James says heaven will reject it. No matter what you think, no matter what you say, if you don't do anything, heaven calls your faith dead. And you notice uh, the response of dead faith is really cute. Very sweet, super spiritual, and yet incredibly dismissive. And heaven doesn't buy it. James says somebody in the church might respond and say, hey, go in peace. I realize you're in an unsustainable situation, and I just thought I'd just go in peace. Man, that sounds nice. This is that I, I just, I, I want you to know I wish you the best mm, right here. This is that, oh my gosh, that is so awful. It's terrible what's happening in your life. This is that I'm so sorry. It's all. I can't believe what's happening to your poor kids. Go in peace. This is that quoting relative statistically. It is amazing to me that this doesn't happen to more people. Go in peace. 
sounds really nice. This is that I'll be praying for you guys and those freezing little toes in your house. Go in peace. All things work together for the good for they that love the Lord. Go in the Lord now. Blessings and salutations. Wow. This is that I hate abortion. It's the worst. Go in peace. The sweet sounds of dead faith. And come on, can we be honest? You can see why James is talking to the church about this. Be warm and well-fed, he said. Be warm and well-fed. I hope it works out for you. Really? Yeah, hope it works out. And the sad thing is, I think if, if you... Take an honest look at us as the church. We have so often looked at situations like that, and we've legitimately said this. And we've even liked each other's posts. Hope it works out. Hope he comes to his senses and stops beating you senselessly really soon. That's awful. Be strong now. Stay safe. Stay safe. You know what my parents are doing to me in my house, and you said, stay safe. And heaven is like, okay. But man, it sounds good. It even reeks with a little bit of concern. Hope the fridge fills up. This is that I hope somebody else will do it. Someone who has more time and talent and skills and experience and won't mess this thing up like I would probably mess this thing up. But in the meantime, all the best. And oh, come to church. We're meeting outside at 1045 this weekend. The spiritual sounds of dead faith. And heaven would say, talk all you want, but that faith is dead. Heaven is like la 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 la. Please stop talking. You might sound pretty down there, but you sound dead up here because you didn't do anything. You can make all the excuses if you want, but heaven says that is dead faith. Because you notice James asks I think a question that deliberately leaves out some of the most crucial information. Information like what? I'll tell you the crucial information. Crucial information like, um, wait a minute, James. How did this person get in the situation where they only have T-shirts? Hmm? Has anyone asked that? Questions like, um, yeah, but I mean, did they provoke something to trigger the abuse? Has anyone asked that question? 
No one just loses their job and doesn't have food in the refrigerator. They had to have done something. Had somebody sparked an, an investigation to get all of the crucial information and heaven is like, I don't know who y'all think you are. You think that you are the examiners and the person in need is taking your test and if they pass your test, then they qualify for your help. Otherwise, they disqualify. You are being tested. They aren't, you are. I think James deliberately leaves out all of this information because in heaven's mind, it doesn't matter when the person is in an unsustainable, unsafe, unsurvivable situation. Listen, I realize you're writhing in pain here, but uh, did you look both ways before you crossed the street? That may not be the first thing to do if somebody just got hurt. James calls it dead faith. Well, I'd help that single mom, but I, I, I don't want to reinforce whatever patterns got her in this situation. Really? Well, I'll do something, but it's a pandemic. We're, we're all struggling, so excuses, excuses. And sadly, the church, we even go further than this to, to start to demonize people, to disqualify them. Because if we can find something in someone's past or we can find something in someone's politics, then all oh, they belong over there. Therefore, what? Therefore, they don't deserve to be helped no matter what heaven is like. You've got to be kidding me. Newsflash, heaven is polarizing you. You thought you're the ones making those decisions, but if your faith does not enter in and act, James says you can use whatever excuses, whatever justifications, you can demonize as much as you want, you can do as much research and statistics. Well, how did these people end up in jail, Jesus? <laughs> we didn't visit you in jail. How did you end up there? No one goes to jail for no reason. Right? It's our way of saying only certain people deserve it. James says, it's dead faith. Um, James anticipates a little bit of pushback, a little churchy debate to break out in response to what he has just said. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. James is saying, hey, someone is going to suggest this. Um, stop being so closed-minded. Um, different strokes for different folks. It's a really interesting thought. I've always wondered what James was getting at when he said this. But he's saying someone might say, hey, stop being so, so close-minded. Maybe some people in the church might just be blessed, blessed with a little extra dose of, 
you know, the kind of faith that is strong in teaching and strong in beliefs and deep convictions. Maybe they're just those kinds of people. And other people in the church might be strong in acts of kindness towards people who are in need. Don't be so close-minded. Different strokes for different folks. Some have faith, some have deeds. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. No? Let me help you. We are in the middle of a season of doing that very thing in the church in the United States right now. There are some churches, they are stronger in preaching Jesus. There are other churches who are stronger in social issues and caring for the poor and that kind of thing. Some churches have faith. Some churches have deeds. Different strokes for different folks. Stop being so close-minded. We, we are doing that right now. Some churches are more into teaching. Other churches are more into mission. <laughs> Those social justice shallow churches. Those cold doctrine boring churches. And we've done the thing we love to do, which is polarize. And I assure you, you will find a political agenda in there somewhere. Different strokes for different folks. They have faith. They have deeds. James says, show me a faith that doesn't actively help the poor and the hurting and the vulnerable and the broken and the unjustly treated. And he says, I will show you a faith that's not only dead, but a faith that is demon-ish. Woo, James, you went too far on that one, man. Don't agree, read on. Verse 19. You believe there is one God. Good. James is almost being sarcastic, like, oh, you check Jesus as my savior? That's nice. But in this particular context, he, he takes it a, a little bit in a different direction. So you believe that there is a God is like, oh, man, bravo. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Wow. Demons have great theology. They believe the right thing things about God, but they don't do anything with it. They don't do anything about it. Your faith in Jesus will prove to be genuine because it does something to help the person whose safety or survival is threatened. James is saying your actions will prove the authenticity of your faith. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to this. Let me take a quick theological aside. Um, because there is a group here that's <clears throat> breathing heavy. That not, might not be you, but if it's you, 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 you know who you are. You're feeling the tension. Um, you don't like this theology. 
Uh, history hasn't always liked this theology either, by the way. I don't know if you knew, but there were, <laughs> there were a lot of people who argued that the book of James should be kicked out of the Bible because of what he says in this passage right here. And you can understand why. If you study the Bible, you learn you are saved. You become a Christian. You, you, you come to a relationship in Jesus Christ by faith alone, not by works. There is nothing anyone can do to earn salvation. Then this guy, James, he shows up, and James chapter 2, he, he starts talking about faith without action will not save you. Kick him out of the Bible. He's a heretic. Um, James's theology is fantastic. Here's what James is saying. For those of you I know who, who probably wrestle with this aspect of James's theology, James is saying helping people in need is not a prerequisite for saving faith. But helping people in need is a proof of saving faith. What's he saying? Works are a proof of genuine faith. This is really key, I think, for the church to understand and for the church to embrace. If you are saved by faith, that faith will always work for the benefit of people who are in need. Let me show you what James is saying from the Apostle Paul. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. This is a gift of God. It's not by works. It's not by the things you do. It's not by helping people in need. It's not by actions so that no one can boast. And the collective church would say, amen, it's by faith. And right as the amen is echoing, verse 10 starts of Ephesians chapter 2, in which Paul says, for we are God's handy work, interestingly enough, created or saved in the person of Jesus Christ for the purpose of doing good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's all James is saying. You are saved by faith to work. You are saved by faith for works. If your faith doesn't start working, it's not the saving kind. That passage goes together. You've been saved because of what Jesus did so you can start doing something. This is so key for us to understand. Cannot walk around talking about salvation by faith alone and not work. In fact, we cannot go around talking about salvation by faith and forget that saving faith is faith in the finished what? Work of Jesus Christ who did something about our unsustainable, our unsurvivable need. 
And then James would say, now genuine faith starts to live that out. It starts to do that for the people in your world. Do not walk around saying, I was saved by faith in the work of Jesus, and now I'm not going to do anything. Works cannot save you, but they will prove that the saving faith that you claim is genuine. Show me your faith is genuine by the fact that you work to help people in unsustainable situations. Church, it is both. It is both. Do not let anybody polarize us as a church. Do not let anybody try and categorize us as a church. We will preach Jesus and we will help the poor. It's not one or the other. It is not strong teaching or mission. We will have strong teaching in this book and we will be on mission in the world. It's not one or the other. It's not different strokes for different folks. There is only one kind of faith and it is a teaching faith that breaks out in mission when it leaves the building or leaves the lawn or leaves its house. Then James goes on. I'll just read this section of scripture. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? No, Lord, I believe you. Great. Show me. Show me you believe me. You see that faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. A version of faith that doesn't do is incomplete. And an incomplete faith is a dead kind. That's what James is saying. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, faith without deeds is dead. A teaching for a church without mission is dead. It's both of these things. Every time you have first-hand awareness of someone whose safety or survival is at risk, your faith is being tested, what will it prove by what you decide to do or not to do? Again, when this church launched, this deeply influenced who we wanted to be. To preach unapologetically and reach the vulnerable unrelentingly. Both of those things. And again, I'm just going to say, like, if Mission Point doesn't fit into your political or your theological box, like, I don't care. <laughs> we did not show up to fit into anybody's box. We, we showed up to fit into the biblical teaching of what a church should be and what a church should be about. And we will not apologize for that. 
You know a family who's struggling to feed their kids. Prove your faith in their lives. Even if all you can manage is one meal. Freezer meal. And even if all you can manage is a phone call to the church to say, I know some people. Can we start a meal train for them? There's some crazy people at this church who love to cook. And love to help. You know a kid who's being bullied. Punch the bully in the face. All right, I'm not advocating that. I'm not saying it has to be pretty. Sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean that. But the point is, if you know a kid at school is being bullied, don't ignore it. Report it. Say something about it. You know an abusive situation. Call the police. Call the church office. If you don't know what to do, but you know you need to do something, come on, call us. And at least give an opportunity for us to start to point in a direction. You know a mama who's contemplating an abortion. You willing to be her people? Or let our crazy church know, there are at least 14 people who'd be like, we'll take that child. But what we can't do is just do nothing and keep going. We have a supermarket sweep coming up, as many of you know. This isn't just a fun thing we do to, 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 you know, to make headlines. This is going to give us an opportunity to replenish the food pantries in our communities so that families who don't know where food may be coming from this week get at least a couple more weeks. Because we believe it matters that we do something. And I, I hope that you will jump in on that. In fact, if you're watching at home or you're watching this later, you can see how you can do that. Missionpoint.net slash loveops to be involved. Just to start somewhere in doing something. I love that our whole hope is Jesus who saw us when sin put our eternal safety and survival at risk. And he did something. That's the gospel. Jesus did something. And the church now gets to show and share the gospel of Jesus with our words and with our feet. And I'm just asking what might happen in our communities? What might happen in our families? What might happen in our workplaces, in our schools? If the church started to live out the other side of its faith on a regular basis. I'm just asking, how much less would we put our faith in the political outcomes of next month? Or will the church awaken and realize heaven has put us here to care for the community? Half the things we are looking to the government to do for us, heaven is saying, that's a test of your faith. God has prepared these works in advance for you to walk in them. You are the change this world needs, church. But it's not going to come because we posted things. It's not going to come because we talked about things. It's not going to come because we, we had pretty sermons that did not lead to mission, did not lead to action on Mondays. I think our world will look very different. And in fact, I'm hopeful that the Lord is stirring even now. 
in his church in a season where so much faith and so much weight is being put on political parties and outcomes. Heaven is scratching its head, y'all. Because we are the ones who've been assigned to this world. So, man, my prayer is that heaven makes action great again in the church. I can't believe he said that. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would do something incredible in our hearts. But first I pray that you would give us the humility to honestly ask the question, what is our life saying about our faith? Lord, there are so many ways in which I just feel busy and rushed and so needs come across and they feel like an inconvenience. And I want to get on to the next thing, the things that I believe are more important. And I just pray that you would remind me over and over again that you have saved me by faith alone, by the finished work of Jesus, so I can now work on Jesus' behalf in my world. Remind me of what matters most to you. You've put us in this world so that we would be your hands and feet to the hurting and to the broken and to the lost. Help us to be a church that preaches salvation by faith alone. And Lord, help us to be a church that then acts to help those in our worlds. And we trust this world will be different because of what you're doing in and through your church. We praise you for who you are. and We praise you for who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.